hello and welcome. Uh, I'm Jonathan, and we've got Zach and David joining uh, me. Uh, we've got a new podcast here, a new show, and this is called The Way Book Club, or All, Some, and None, uh, because the whole gimmick is that one of us will read all of the book, uh, one of us will read some of it, and one of us is going to read none of it. Um, so, you know, just like any book club you've ever been a part of, <laughs> um, <laughs> this is is what we're doing. Uh, fired. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys know we've been in a book club before in uh, in the Levites. We were all part of that little little group. That's true. And, and tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong that this was the case. No, I never read a single bit of any book in the Levi book club. I only made fun of those who did. <laughs> so this is nothing new. And and I usually read most of it, but rarely did I ever read all of it. And I was the person who read all the books. I know. I know you did. And nothing has changed because that's our roles today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the exact same situation as college. Great, guys. We've really grown. You know, that's really funny. I didn't even realize that comparison until you just pointed it out, Jonathan. That's mm -hmm. so funny that we just slotted ourselves into the roles we were most comfortable with. <laughs> which, which, which stinks is because we're going to have to, like, we're going to have to alter that role um, each time we, we do a different book. Um, I mean, well, David's shaking his head. No, <laughs> you're, you're just going to be content with never reading anything. Yeah, I'm just going to fake it when I'm the all. I'm just going <laughs> to read the spark notes, cliff notes, whatever the hell it is. And just, you know, that way I don't actually have to read the whole book. <laughs> and just, <sighs> just, just hope the person who read some of it lines up with you pretty well. No, we'll start arguing about what the book actually says. <laughs> well, I read all of it. <laughs> I guess you're right. I just, I guess I really didn't read, read that much. That's right. That's right. Oh, goodness. So well, we're Zach, excited about this. Yeah, Zach, you are the one who read all this week. Uh, so why don't you tell the audience uh, what we're talking about today? Well, we're talking about a book called Point and Crunt, which is a great, um, I would almost describe it more as a manual than an actual book. Um, it was categorized by a person who very much liked lists and wrote every chapter uh, to fill that outline. Now, it's still a good read. There are still good things about it. There's things that I learned from it. So I would say it's a worthwhile read. Um, but right out of the gate, I think what I would say from this book is that it is more of a field manual than it is something to, to read from first to last. So it's definitely more beneficial to have in your library on your bookshelf where let's say you notice something is not going the way you want it it's a great book to reference like all right i'm getting hung up on this point or i specifically want to grow in this area this is how i would want to improve that that's where i see this book having more of its strength as opposed to some of the other books we might cover in later episodes so um, that's kind of over the gate again it's called point your grunt um and it's from the Life Leadership Essential Series. But uh, I think, uh, Brett, you had a couple questions, didn't you? Yeah, my first question is, what the hell are you talking about pulling books off the bookshelf for? I, is that even, like, do people do that? Because um, once I put books up on the bookshelf, they don't get touched again. <laughs> so so uh, 
Uh, on video, I've got uh, a bookshelf that's behind me. I've actually got two there. I've got another in the other corner, and I have aspirations for a fourth one. So okay. the, the reason why you have a library, I, I guess this is kind of going into a different area. The point of having a library and the point of utilizing Google on your phone, because for a lot of people, that's the same thing, is that you want to have the ability to pull information that you didn't commit to memory, hmm. right? So we can't commit everything to memory. That's just, there's just too much surplus. And not only that, some of the stuff that you know ain't so. Some of the, sto the stuff that you thought you know, you didn't know. And some of the stuff that you thought you knew, you actually didn't know. You just didn't know that you didn't know. <laughs> and so the reason why you have a library is to just fact check yourself. Make sure that what you're saying and thinking is actually, actually true. And especially when you're wanting to make yourself a better person, almost hinting at this idea of intentionality, sanctification, some of the things we've talked about in other series, um, that just might be important for those elements. Nah, I just have a library because I want to see pretentious to house guests. <laughs> uh, so it's good, to, it's good to know that David wants to look the part, not necessarily be yeah. the part. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. That's the important yeah. part, man. Yeah, David, you know, um, and, and, and from a, from a different aspect, you know, before, uh, before televisions were, were invented, a big part not of true. entertainment, <laughs> not true, <laughs> a big part of entertainment was like reading stories. Oh, uh, would you know, wait, were you there? <laughs> did, did, you know what? Honestly, honestly, go read. honestly, I'm talking out my ass because most of my books stay on my shelves too. <laughs> Amen, brother. They stay there. And the only reason why I went to the library in college was to write research papers and use them as references down bottom. That's the only reason you have a library is to look good and to use it a research paper, Zach. Okay. <laughs> all right. There you go. Now, now I do pull off uh, a few of my books a little bit more often than than most because mm -hmm. they are resources, especially. Any kind of scriptural study, I've got books for that. And then anytime I'm teaching, I've got to have books there just in case because I will I will say a lot of things in my lessons and 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 most of them are true, but just in case <laughs> just in case I gotta grab one of my guitar manuals out and be like, Okay, here it is. Here's the thing I was telling you about. Um, yeah, no, uh, no, nah, nah, I just don't know if they're necessary, but we're here we are anyway. We're here yeah. discussing books. You are not going to do so well on the next turnaround, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, back to, to, the, to the book. Uh, Point and Grunt. So I read I read some of it and you had mentioned uh, using it as a manual. And I, I think that's probably that's probably where I would see it, too. Um, when I got into like the the second and third section, there were more things that were like kind of substantial and worth looking at. Uh, but a lot of it was just like quick, like just like oh, okay, okay, I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha, you. Neat, okay, little tidbits here and there. Um, reading it cover to cover, <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not that kind of a book. It's certainly not a riveting story. Nah. So I guess my first question is, uh, did they teach you how to point and or grunt in the entire book? Is there a proper method to do either? Uh, as far as proper, I think that would have to depend on your definition, David. So as far as the, the idea of 
How do you relay an idea from one person to another? Yes, the book was very um, surgical when it came to that particular exercise. Yeah, the the point in grunt, from what I can see, was in the first um, example. That that was it. Uh, no no more pointing and grunting after like the first little introductory section. Because one of the things that the the subtitle of the book, David, is what to do and what not to do. And so pointing and grunting would fall under that not to do part of the strategy. Because first off, you don't like it when someone points at you and says, and so a lot of communication is this idea that, all right, in order to have highly effective communication, I need to not just take this piece of information that I have and need to translate it to someone else. Like that's not communication. Communication is having, okay, there's this other person who has this whole complicated life and I have to get this information that I have to them. So how do I do that in such a way that doesn't come across as defeating or uh, devaluing or uh, any of those negative elements that makes that other person not wanna partake in the information that I have because a recipient can choose how receptive they are to that information. And we can see that in different cases throughout life. Of, there are some people that have more effective methods of communicating information. Other people have things that, all right, they, they're not as susceptible to what that person said because of the way they felt treated or the way that they had a history, things of that nature. So point and grunt kind so, of talk about some of those elements there. I guess the more important question for me would be, because I piss everybody off when I, when I talk a lot, um, would be how do I recover? Did the book talk about recovery Ooh. from making such social faux pas? Well, well, Zach, while, while you're while you're doing that, here's one thing about the pointing and grunting that I thought was interesting, because the example they use, the case study they use, is from Night of the Museum, and it's Ben Stiller talking to caveman Ben Stiller, um, and by all regards, his pointing and grunting would have worked with a caveman, like that's. Like one of the one of the the things is like know your audience, right? It's a very common communication thing. He knows his audience. <laughs> it's a caveman. Point grunt. Like that's a that should be a pretty effective means of communicating, uh, but a, apparently it, it's not in that scenario. <laughs> right. So as far as did the book talk about some things to do as far as uh, how do you recover from the pause of communication? And the, the segment of the book was called Heal or Harm. And so this portion had four different chapters, um, or not necessarily chapters, as much as like key points. So it was, the first one was apologize well. Because the assumptions made that I'm going to make a football. It's not that I'm trying to, you know, I'm going to flawlessly speak like an angel and just have choruses of cherubim ring around me as I talk all the time. No, it's just not realistic. But Oh, that is totally realistic for me. When I make a mistake, how do I apologize and use apology well to help smooth over past mistakes? Unnecessary. Casa. <clears throat> uh, and it, it, within the chapter, it kind of went into further details like don't be mean, don't be slanderous, don't gossip. Uh, what if that's you are, like, that's who you are as a person, though? Like, how do you? So you know, first, like, first off, that is a communication style that is reinforced through your social groups and your family. It's not a defining uh, character for someone's identity. So I fuck immediately at your what if that's the kind of person you are. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. So 
back off. Uh, <laughs> back uh, off of yourself, you David. Me. Back off yeah, yourself. Well, thanks. <laughs> and then the next thing was um, uh, don't criticize. And this one will, uh, went into a lot of different elements of like, all right, there are certain situations where it is my responsibility to be critical of things or activities, but never criticize a person for fun. And then they did talk a little bit about the idea of like amongst friends, you can like jab with each other and have some fun. Like that's not the same thing as let me be critical for sport. Like I don't want to be a mean person. And the idea behind that is that the, the idea behind that is that people are smart and they realize that if you're mean to that person for no apparent reason, what's to say you're not mean about me when I'm not there? And so it fundamentally erodes at the idea of trust and social uh, norms. And then once that's gone, your relationships immediately begin to, to wither. Not that you'll like lose all your friends the next day, but people just won't treat you the same level of care and respect because they're like, what's to stop David from slandering me when he's just with Jonathan? And so that was one of the things that I talked about, like, hey, this is how you can smooth over and fix some of these elements. Avoid these activities. And when you notice that you're doing them, apologize for them and try not to get back to them. And then the last one is if you mess up, close it up with honor. Like the book really talked a lot about how, how do you own your own activities and own your own ideas to the point where it invites others like this person is trustworthy. This person is a person of integrity. And this person is able to, like if they say something wrong, they're often quick to admit it. And if they, are, if they aren't quick to admit it, they eventually will come around to see it if it's communicated that they messed up. Hmm. That was a good question, David. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that makes me uh, that makes me wonder, like, you know, do, do we um, does the book think that everybody is like a decent person? Because like there's a lot of times that commu- you communicate with people who are just are jerks, man. And uh, do you, can you really change their their attitude uh-huh. by communicating with them? Right. I, I, so that's uh, a, go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, I'll, I'll open up to you. Sorry. I was going to say, I don't I don't remember seeing anything about that per se. It seems like uh, the book assumes that um, <clears throat> the reader is a is a decent person, and the reader, uh, because the reader has has purchased this book, uh, you know, so the reader must be a pretty decent person because they're interested in in at least bettering themselves by communicating well, um, and so it assumes that the reader at least is a is a decent person. Um, I don't remember anything about if the person the reader is speaking to, you know, in that, that regard. So that, that's a great point to bring up there, Jonathan. So the book does have several assumptions, like every book does. Um, it is assuming that the person who's reading it is the one who's intent on wanting to improve and change. Uh, so there is that element there that this is, this is not like um, lucky words of wisdom where I say this particular phrase and then everyone just, again, hears angels singing and cherubim chorusing around me. Like that, that's not how this happens. Um, but you bring up a great point. And this, this almost ties in more to my, my profession as opposed to this book. But the, there's a principle that hurting people hurt people. And so when someone's acting the fool or acting the jerk or just being difficult to deal with, to use a nicer term, um, <clears throat> the thing that that should say to you is that that person's in pain, not necessarily that you can't communicate with them. I, I'm sorry, I'm having a difficult time listening to you when you said act the fool. 
like that that is a total dad statement so i just wanted to to clarify that 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 is the word choice that you wanted to use there well, acting the when someone is acting in a way that... stop acting the fool right now. <laughs> that's that's not a dad phrase. That's a medieval phrase. That's that's, oh, that's, yeah. that's it's a old renaissance. Person. That's a that's yeah. a renaissance. Okay, that's my bad. If, if, I just if, equated if, it with old people. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sorry, that wasn't the book that I read on my bookshelf a little while ago. Forgive me. You, you, David, you need to read more like um high fantasy where, where they're speaking in such eloquent ways and they w- use words like leal you know like like yeah act the fool yeah no but you you, you, you tell me to read fantasy come yes, on Jonathan. Not on air. Come on. so okay so but like, sorry zach yeah oh, it's all good um i appreciate all of us representing the phrase i was using even if it was archaic um <laughs> it's a great phrase i thought so um but no like so there's I have to remember that I can't change how other people think and act, but I can make them more interested in it engaging with me. And so a lot of this book, again, has that uh, the reader's ownership that, okay, if I, as best as I can to my abilities, don't point and grunt and make people more agitated, more aggressive, or less likely to want to interact with me, then I have a better chance of getting my message across, whatever it may be. Now, did it, did the book cover a whole lot about body language? You guys who actually read this book whatsoever, um, like was body language like taken into consideration? A little bit. Yeah, it mentions it. It mentions it. Uh, no, it, it, does, to- it, it doesn't go into the same degree that, uh, uh, oh, what is the name of the book? He's having to look at his library for those. Never split the difference. What was that? Okay. It doesn't go into the same amount of detail as never split the difference does, but it still mentioned it. And because again, like if I'm, you know, got my AirPods on my hood on and I'm sitting on the the far seat in an airplane, that's communicating the person doesn't want to be talked to. Right. So, you know, that's some pretty obvious body language. Um, but yeah. does, does it get into like if they look up to the left twice with a twitchy eye? Does that mean no? It wasn't. It wasn't that deep. <laughs> there, uh, this book it seems is more um, uh, technology focused. It starts talking about emails and media posts and things like that, or uh, or at least the chapter headings at the end seem to. Assume. Yeah, the, the, the <laughs> mediums of communication. Yeah, mediums of communication. There it is. It's looking at it more is. of a modern approach. He says it in the beginning. He says it in the beginning that you know he's he's going to talk about these mediums at the end. So that I, I knew some of that. There you go, man. Yeah, that's all you needed to know was some of it. That's right. That's right. You did a great job, John. <laughs> um, David, David, you're doing great asking questions about this book. Oh, thanks, man. I'm I'm trying to learn about pointing and grunting. Trying yeah. to be better. So so uh so my my takes on on this is um so uh, uh David and I had had talked a little bit prior to our recording about this and uh not to completely be hypercritical or anything. I don't think it's extremely well written per se um it it could be this is gonna sound really arrogant and because i am a little bit i'm not a great i'm not a a, an author by any means uh nor do i consider myself a master communicator but as i've 
as I was reading this, um, I thought I could probably like rewrite this at like three different ways and make like one like really condensed and then make another like maybe like a like a like a daily like journal calendar kind of thing, like a like a little motivational thing. Um, I upload for his holiness, some kind of idea. Right, right. Like something like that. I think that would actually be the better medium for this, honestly. Um, that being said, where it lacks in that, there were some good nuggets there on like the second and third um, section that I really appreciated. Um, and it has he has like they have like little tidbits of just random examples that I'm like, oh, I had never like it talks about Cantonese versus Mandarin. Totally something I didn't know. Like I can speak a little bit of Mandarin, and I I'm familiar with the culture. Had no idea that Mandarins were these government officials, higher ups, and the Cantonese were like a lower class within China, mainland China, and like that's how the speech started to separate. These were two different people groups, like classes, and their communication actually became so varied because of how different they were um, that they became two dialects or like quasi languages within Chinese in itself. So there were, there were tons of little tidbits in there that I, I loved. Um, one of them was, uh, was something that I think might help you out a good bit there, David. Um, and it's, it's uh, learn to soften, soften your speech. <laughs> So instead of being so like direct and straightforward, uh, you know, use some some filler words here and there, like perhaps or probably, instead of um, you failed at this. Perhaps there's a, a better approach to doing this, nah. or or um, I would never do something like that, or I I, I probably wouldn't do it that way, but. Uh, like these little filler words to kind of soften your speech. And I thought that was. I see cool. what you're saying there. I see what you're saying there. I thought yeah. wrong. Because it could be absolutely wrong. Because again, Jonathan, why would you want to soften your speech? Did the book right. talk about that? To, to make more effective communication, right? It's, it's, it's to allow people to, to give a chance to what you're saying. Uh, oh. If you come off with such a hard edge on, on anything, people are going to dismiss it outright. But if you open, yeah, if you open that, if you open that door just a little bit by giving just a little bit of grace in there, um, you know, people are going to be more likely to accept what you have to say. No, man. No, listen, that sounds like you're like throwing a pillow down on the ground before somebody just hammers you in the face and you land on it. Yeah, sometimes it works. I'm saying you're putting, you're putting yourself down, you know? (laughs) um no man come on like you don't you 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 got to be direct communicate directly no pillowy language no flowery language get that out of here we need to be you know just say what you're gonna say there's a time and a place there's a time and a place Eh. sometimes sometimes using too much words uh too many words is 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 very obvious and people will reject that outright because you're you're obviously like going around the bush, you know, something like that. You're obviously trying to avoid making a point, but sometimes you can, you can find the right way to say the sentence to allow people to accept it. And I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. You're you're probably right, Jonathan. (laughs) 
Thank you. Sometimes. Okay. Look at that. Good job, Nick. Uh, I'm dying here. You're never right. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do agree, though, that the the book, the the meaty portion of it was those three those three chapters in the middle mm-hmm. about uh, master b- the big fixes, the quick fixes, and then the listen up. Those are definitely the chapters that have the, the yeah. greatest girth for them. Um, but I also agree that I I think that when when reading this book, I almost hear the author speaking, yeah, almost like, like in a educational event mm-hmm. more so than the book um it, it had me feeling the same way about andy stanley's book the question mm. where or the best <laughs> question ever which again dumbest question ever his sermon is phenomenal but in the book form it just doesn't carry the same feels empty I, yeah and i agree with you jonathan that i think this book um would be better if it was formatted differently or even if it was formatted as a field manual, yeah, I don't, I don't think that would hurt. But in in this kind of format, I don't think it's as effective. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I think it reading it sounded more like somebody giving a presentation or like a motivational speech, and less like somebody giving a like writing a book. Um, which that that's a weird thing to say, but there is a there's a difference between the two. Uh, Dave, David, we had actually talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, a while back, uh, this was true of uh, the Romans, right? They had a spoken language and a written language, um, mm-hmm. and those weren't the same thing. Uh, Latin was, uh, what, or what was it? Um, oh, now, I'm, now I'm blanking on, on the specifics. Um, well, their, their written language a lot more flowery than what their spoken language was, and they had a lot, it was colloquial, just yeah. like what ours is, you know? Yeah. Um, or can be, uh, or should be. Uh, Aramaic was a uh, was a common spoken language, uh, but you wouldn't really write much in that, right? A lot of people would say, you know, yeah, parts of the New Testament are written in Aramaic. Yeah, like three sentences of the New Testament are written in Aramaic, um, because it's it's more of a conversational. It's a low low born kind of language. That's not something that you would write something very important. You might do like communication, like little personal letters. But you wouldn't actually write anything of significance in Aramaic, not often. Uh, you would write it in Greek because it's philosophical. It's the way the words are structured. And so in the same way, like our, our language, um, it, it's less so that. But yeah, there's a, there's a diff- difference between how we speak and how we write. Well, there should be a difference. <laughs> yeah, there, there should be. There absolutely but people don't be. know that difference very well, unfortunately. No. So... Uh, yeah, I was trying to teach my students when I had students about that difference there, you know, and that's, uh, I still try to teach my wife on a daily basis, actually, uh, the difference <laughs> there, but, but I just gave up on her completely. Um, <clears throat> so God bless her soul. Um, <clears throat> well, I just wanted to ask, uh, two more questions real quick. First one is, uh, I was interested in body language because I have this problem with my eyebrows. They give my thoughts away. And I wanted to know if the book suggested I just shave the them off or what the hell to do with them because I, I, I cannot hide my, my feelings during a conversation. So is there anything that you've got out of this book to tell me what to do with my eyebrows? I, I got a I got a quote for you from Thomas Jefferson. All right, are okay. you ready? You ready? Yeah, ready. let's go. In matters of principle, stand like a stone. In matters of style or fashion, 
move with the current. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a great quote. I'll, my eyebrows will give me away. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I would say probably don't shave your eyebrows because it's better to convey the fact that um, you you really uh, it's better to convey your feelings than convey the fact that you're a crazy person. <laughs> but that's not from the book. I, I don't remember. I bet that might have been some of the part that I skipped. But I, yeah, I just, okay, I there you go. So that's not the sum that Jonathan read. And Zad's got nothing out of this book for that. I mean, it's, I, I feel like, only that's the old man himself, Jefferson. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like you know this is a matter of fashion. You know, if you want to, if you want to make a statement and shave oh. your eyebrows, that's up to you. Oh, okay. Well, I was just trying to hide my emotions. Yeah. See, you know? if if you read some like of the Daga. <laughs> if you read some of the book, you would have realized that in like the first couple chapters, they talk about how. Uh, in some cultures, uh, it's actually more beneficial to speak in riddles than to be blunt. <laughs> wow. Okay. Riddles. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't remember what cultures that was because, again, I'd only, I only read part of it. But he did say that. He did say that some cultures um, actually appreciate people speaking in riddles. And if you're blunt, that's, that's seen as uh, disingenuous. It's calling them stupid. It's yeah. insulting your intelligence. Because <laughs> they can't figure it out. He didn't want to insult your intelligence, intelligence there, David. Man, that's the, yeah. See, I can't do riddles, so yeah, that that would be an insult to my intelligence right there. Because I wouldn't know what the hell they're saying, and I'd have to leave. I'd literally just walk away if you started talking to me in riddles. Uh, uh, I actually forgot question. my second question. No, I forgot it. See, I See, I didn't write it down, you know. <laughs> I really got hung up on the eyebrows thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, going back to uh, conversation, uh, you know, between the, uh, we've already left this, but I'm coming back to it. Uh, you know, the high class folk and the low class folk in China, right? Mm-hmm. It's the Cantonese. Oh, yeah, yeah, that. The Cantonese and the whatever the other people are. Mandarin. Whatever he said. Uh, Mandarins, yeah. Mandarin. Is that like the orange? No. Mandarin orange. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's like what we got here. My wife's been watching this, like, sell in Miami or some shit like that, sell in Sunset. They've got, like, a totally different language than what I have. And I was like, what are they communicating? <laughs> and so that's where I thought this book really, we should, like, ship this book down there and, and, get, and get them to talk to us after they read it. I, I feel like that'd be a great podcast. <laughs> They're, Ship it to the rich folk who sell real estate. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's there's a section that says be professional, and yeah. um, but he doesn't go into great detail as to what it. It's like you ever heard. That's this? like looking at a person who does night work, and, and you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know <laughs> what I'm talking about. That's a different type of professionalism. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. That's I, I, the interesting thing about that. But um, uh, so. There was this, there was this uh, thing that was brought up in uh, some kind of Supreme Court ruling or something. I don't know. It was um, deciding on whether something is uh, is considered porn or not. And it was oh. the, the quote that was given was, um, "I can't tell you what it is, but uh, you can, but you know it when you see it, right?" 
And this is how he explains professionalism. He says, uh, I, the, there's not a lot of explana- explaining as to what is professional. He, he gives a couple things about it, but he says, but you know when something is unprofessional. And so, uh, like, there's, there's a lot that could be said, but he's like, you know it when it's not. Mm-hmm. Now, back to the people in Miami. Because he does not give great detail as to what constitutes professional, I don't know if that would help them very much. That's true. That's true. I didn't think about that. It's a whole different culture, really, that we're talking about here, For right? them, that is their profession, and that's the language of their profession. <laughs> that's their professional language. Yeah. The other yeah. thing that I mentioned that, Jonathan, you're, you're hitting it on, uh, he later does summarize professionalism okay. in a better way. He says, it is consistency at the highest level. Okay. That's what professionalism go. is. Is that all right? So, it, regardless of what field it is, whoever is the most professional are the people that are consistently at the highest level of excellence. And so, when you're talking about communication, who are often the people that are at the highest level of prof- like of professionalism? Individuals that are speaking on a regular basis, people that have to communicate for their jobs. Um, translators are probably some of the most professional people when it comes to communication because they have to take in two different languages this very issue that we're talking about mm-hmm. and how to <clears throat> translate it from one person to another in a way that not just makes sense but also communicates the underlying message. Have y'all ever had to use a translator at your job? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, well, not in my job, but I've had to use a translator before. Have you ever felt like they were lying to you? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It and and again, I think what you're talking about there, David, is like okay, like what is the basis of trust built on, right? Which again goes into this book about communication is like okay, what are some of the things that we know lean themselves to this person being more trustworthy or less trustworthy when someone translates something for you and it like a five minute element of time goes by and they look back and say they said nice shoes. You're like, I don't know about that. But what about when they look back at the other group and then the other group starts laughing? You know, that that's what does it for me. You know, the, the joke, the joke just doesn't, doesn't translate. Well, that's all. It just doesn't. It doesn't translate. Remember, I thought secrets don't David, make friends. David, David, did you ever think that maybe you're funny? No, funny looking. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Oh, man. Um, man it's the yeah. eyebrows. <laughs> Uh, or lack thereof. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um. Ah, uh, that. Um. So I wanted to do. Uh, oh, Zach, you had mentioned a, a a little a little game. Um, but I wanted to to share like one other tidbit that I thought was really interesting before we before we uh, uh we 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 do that. Um, in the part where he talks about communicating clearly. I really like this example that he gave because um, like the first half of it, he's talking about being <clears throat> short and to the point, right? Just saying what you need to say in, in as most efficient way possible. But then he, he uh, kind of qualifies that in the second half of it because um, he gives the example of Xerox and General Electric. Um, Xerox was at first about making copiers or photocopiers. And that was kind of their mission statement. 
But then as they tried to spread out into other markets, they were so effective at communicating that they made quality photocopiers that everybody just associated them with photocopiers and not with everything else they were trying to do. General Electric did not do that. One, by their very name, General Electric, right? So General Electrical Appliances. But um, their, their, their focus statement, you know, when they were talking about what they do, they were talking about, like, building up people, like, finding people and, and, and investing into them, that whole thing. It wasn't about, like, a product that they made. And so because of that, <clears throat> one of those brands is a lot more successful than the other brand. Uh, and so I thought that was interesting because it was like, yeah, you want to be direct and focused in what you're saying, but sometimes you need to think about what that focus is and how that's going to help you in the long run. I, I really like that. I thought that was that was a very interesting little example. But and, and one of the things that tie into what you're talking about in that example is they communicated clearly and they did it repeatedly. One of the big parts about this, mm. uh, this book was the idea that, all right, if I say something that doesn't go over well, it might just be because it didn't land. It might just be that it didn't take root. And so how can I say it in a different way that might communicate the same idea? So Jonathan, um, what would you rate this book? Uh, well, maybe I should say it this way. We do have a grading scale for the books that we read on this channel. And so that you, the, 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 the listener, can know exactly what it is uh, and how we recommend it. So our, our grading scale goes from uh, don't buy to uh, throne reading to um, dust bunnies to uh, dog eared and the best category is broken spine uh, so then Jonathan how would you rate point and grunt yeah so um, I'd say I'd say right there in the middle I'd say throne reader right so like I'm it's not just gonna sit on my on my shelf and collect dust, right? But I'm probably not going to dog ear it. Uh, I think I've probably got some other books that I, that I might do that more with, but I would I would put it in the bathroom beside me, and uh, every now and again I'd, I'd, I'd flip some pages just to kind of review. So yeah, probably probably right there in the middle, Throne Reader. Uh-huh. David, what about you? You didn't read any of the books, so... <clears throat> like most of my books, uh, it, it would be a dust bunny. Um no offense to it, it's more of an offense to me, possibly. Uh, but but it's going on the shelf so I can look smart and look like I know how to communicate. <laughs> so I think I would actually say that I would dog ear this one. Okay. And the reason why I would dog ear it, so I wouldn't waste the time looking around in other places. Fair mm. enough. Fair mm. enough. Yeah. That, that's very smart. That's very smart. See, see, we got a, we got a swath of scores, a uh, swath of scores there. Um, so yeah. It should have been swath. I miss. I, I, oh, okay, I, okay. I was just yeah double checking to make sure you got the words right. I took I took the S and put it on scores and then forgot I still needed it for swath. <laughs> oh yeah, because you can't use more than one S in a sentence. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, no. I get hey, you. hey, man. I went to speech therapy. Okay, I'm really trying here. <laughs> uh, you're doing all right, I guess. For a kid right. with so, do we get to say who's doing what role for next time? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, that way, you know, if they want to, to, to read along or, or kind of jump ahead, um, the next book we are doing is, I don't want to, oh, here it is. That bluegrass in the title, right? Yeah. It, 
it's got a long name, so I wanted to make sure I got it right. Uh, so the next book is uh, is called Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven, But Nobody Wants to Die, or The Eschatology of Bluegrass. And it's written by David Crowder and Mike Hogan. Uh, Mike Hogan is also part of the the formerly uh, David Crowder band. Um, and so it's a... It's a I'm the one that's doing all. I've read it uh, before, and I'm rereading it currently. Uh, David is going to do the sum, and then Zach gets to have the light work there and not read any of it. Uh, but I I absolutely love this book. It's, it's one of my top fives, and uh, I won't say any more about it because we'll save that for the episode. <laughs> and neither of us can say anything about it, Zach or I, because I haven't even started reading the book. I'm the sum, so I got plenty of time. <laughs> I have so much time. Oh my yeah, God. yeah, yeah. It's a it's a long book. We might do this one in in a few more parts uh, than we did uh, Point and Grunt. Uh, this one this one is is about uh, 250 pages. So how many pages? It's 250. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I thought it was a lot, but yeah, 250 pages, nothing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, play. it's it's broken up into small parts so it's yeah i know some kids books that have more than that <laughs> well hey, harry potter is more than just a kid's book okay yeah yeah don't offend jonathan over there with his twilight series I, okay <laughs> oh god yeah don't don't start spreading those lies huh. Well, guys, I think uh, I think we, we had a lot of fun tonight. Um, in, in the famous words of Mandalorian, this is the way. Yeah. I love it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs>